Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We've got some very, very exciting news and updates today. Big, big things happening at Coffee and Turner Syndrome. I have Andrea here with me. Hello. Yes. I'm so excited. And she's going to be coming on as co-host. Woohoo! Oh my goodness. I'm over the moon about it. I'm so, so excited. So if you guys remember her episodes, you will remember her story. If not, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell a little about her story. Well, first, let me just say how excited I am. And I think it's going to be fun getting to join Brooke here on uh, Coffee and Turner Syndrome. And uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. So I'm very excited to be coming on as her co-host. And so if you haven't gotten to see me before um, or hear my story before, so my name is Andrea Horner and I am here in the, um, well, I previously am from the great state of Kansas. I've moved over onto the Missouri side. So I now reside in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I live in an area where there's uh, two, one metro in two states. So I just moved on to the other side of the metro and I'm now in Missouri. Um, I like to call myself a transplant from the South. I grew up in Houston, Texas, um, born in Tennessee. And so uh, that's a little bit where I come from, but uh, I grew up um, in Houston and I was diagnosed with uh, Turner syndrome in Houston at the age of four. And uh, I started treatment when I was seven at uh, Texas Children's Hospital, which is um, a very big hospital known um, for doing a lot of research in the area of Turner Syndrome and working with Turner Syndrome women and girls. And so I was diagnosed at four and started treatment, uh, growth hormone and all that at seven. Uh, And uh, as I come on, you'll hear a little bit more about my story and all of that. Uh, but that's a little bit about me. Um, I, I am an author. I did write a book. It's called um, uh, Beauty for Ashes. And <laughs> um, that tells a little bit about uh, my story with Turner Syndrome. I'm also a child of divorce um, and I've moved around quite a bit. So it talks about my journey and some of those challenges and life experiences and living with a genetic condition and all that that brought, especially growing up. Uh, So um, I look forward to getting to share that and getting to know you and you guys getting to know me. Yes. Yeah, that's, I will link your book. Um, I can, we can put it in the show notes so that everybody can find the link to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have a very interesting topic we wanted to talk about today. It's, it's something that I don't actually think is focused on as a whole. It's more like, oh, you need this thing or that thing. Um, so we wanted to talk about careers and Turner syndrome and kind of how it impacts it. Um, until recently, I hadn't actually thought I had had it impact my career very much. 
until I needed hearing aids. <laughs> and then I was having conversations at work and I'm like, oh, this is the fifth time I've said what? This is not good. Not good. So um, that I think has probably been the biggest thing is stuff like that. Um, nothing too, too major, but it seems to be with stuff like that, it's all very like little detail-y stuff. So what experiences do you have? So it's interesting because, um, so your experiences have come through hearing. Um, I feel mine are more related to the nonverbal learning. Okay. And some of the executive functioning is where I've had challenges when it comes to um, to jobs. And um, now I was telling you that there's uh, three specific uh, ones that I've experienced that um, that made me think of that. Yeah. And one of my biggest challenges has always come from my processing speed. Uh, so people thinking I'm not like producing fast enough or typing fast enough or entering in or doing something fast enough. And the faster that I go, the more prone I've been to making errors because I'm missing details that I don't catch when I'm going faster than what I can keep up with when I'm reading or typing on the computer. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a big struggle for me. Has that been something that you've seen anything that has helped you in those times? Like, is there, is there any resources that you found for those types of things that have been like really key for you? So unfortunately, um, I don't think I have. So I would say my most recent job, um, the last job that I had, um, I did pretty well for a long time. And I thought I was moving into an area where I was doing well. And I've had conversations with my supervisors about my multitasking and typing and, and speed and, and bringing that as I realized that this might be a concern but trying to explain to them why and trying to go as fast as I can. And for a long time, they seem to be understanding and accommodating. Um, but when the pandemic hit, everything changed. And March of last year, I lost my job. And they started by bringing up issues that they're saying from 2018, 2019, even 2020, that they had issues with that were never even brought up or addressed at, at the time where they were saying this was going on. And they were using that to try and build a case against me to let me go. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be hard because, I mean, it's, it's something you only have so much in your control with. So when you're, when you're doing what you can, that just, I could see that feeling like it's just, yeah, that would, that would be so hard to feel like that's so much out of your control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I was working at home for a little while. And when uh, they started bringing everyone back, um, 
I guess that would have been towards the summer into the fall of 2020, um, it just, it became a whole different environment and we lost people. People were um, looking for other positions, moving out. So my team specifically um, lost a fair number of about basically a third, at least a third of our team. And so there was me and one other, me and two other technicians. So I still have my license as a pharmacy tech, um, but I am a licensed pharmacy tech uh, for the state of Kansas. And uh, that's what I was doing at the time. And uh, so it was me and two other technicians. Well, my supervisor, knowing my multitasking struggles, um, and rather than just kind of working with me as we were adjusting, um, decided not to. And that's when these other issues started coming out. Um, so um, we lost one team member. So I had to take on an additional team. Um, well, the team member that was um, that I, I took over their patients, uh, they started letting their team, like the refills specifically, slip on their team. Um, as they were getting ready to leave because they knew that they were moving on and, and leaving the job. So things kind of started to slip. So I was trying to catch up on their team um, in addition to my other team, which was a very large team. Uh, and then the other two technicians that were with me were put on special projects. So I was trying to cover some of their stuff in addition to um, any requests that was coming in from the pharmacist. So it was like one technician for like, seven to eight pharmacists um, while they were off the floor and not doing the regular daily stuff that I was trying to keep up on. And then they started to blame me for it and use that against me and use that as leverage to put me on corrective action and eventually let me go. Yeah, that's the, the shift in the workforce in general with COVID Mm-hmm. It's also, I feel like a very interesting part of this conversation because, you know, navigating it with certain things before looks even more different now mm-hmm. um, as far as what's even available, what's what kind of attitude and approach people have has changed, expectations mm-hmm. have changed, and yep. oh man, that's just that's a whole other beast. I feel like that just kind of adds on top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to my endocrinologist, um, actually a couple of years back about 2018, 2019, honestly, when I started working with the supervisor that I had at the time and when she first started, I wanted to talk to her about, um, some of the struggles that I had because I have Turner syndrome, I was trying to explain it to her. And I thought she was somewhat understanding because she has a daughter um, with some specific needs as well. And so I felt like she understood some of the issues and dynamics um, a little bit more than prior. So I was, you know, hopeful and glad because she had actually even told me that she had heard about Turner syndrome a little bit. She said that she didn't know a lot, but she's heard about it. And so just even that made me a little bit more hopeful and excited that, okay, she understands. And I provided um, a, a note 
from um, my endocrinologist about specific, um, you know, my multitasking and things like that. Uh, and uh, some accommodations also like my typing speed. Um, part of that is nonverbal, um, just sort of how I'm reading and typing at the same time. I'm, how my like, how fast my brain can interpret it and read it. Um, I also have short fingers, stubby fingers. So me typing fast is kind of a challenge in that way because that is a physical um, barrier. I just don't have the fingers to type quite as fast um, as you can see. So, uh, you know, I provided all this and hopes that she would um, allow me like a little additional time in my work um, and understand because I am good at what I do. I am accurate. I very rarely have any errors. In fact, I was there for almost eight years and had no errors, didn't have to go on corrective action for any kind of errors. Um, because if I can pay attention and not, I mean, like if I can go at a speed where I'm, I know where I can manage, um, I can catch details and, and a part of it is the hyper-focusing that I struggle with a little bit, but I'm very like analytical and stuff. And I can, I can just catch those things better. And, um, in fact, that was one of the reasons why I was trusted to do audits and things because, um, you have to have a, a higher level of detail. Um, but for me to be able to, to do it, it just, it, it wasn't where they, they wanted it to be. And as much as I worked hard, they didn't understand. And I would go between my HR and my supervisor and try and, and figure out where I can meet. And then everyone started the whole culture and everything just changed coming back. And it was such a different mood. And all of a sudden it just, it was not good. And I could kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit. And <clears throat> she gave me, she decided to put me on a corrective action after giving me my review with no issues, nothing indicating that I was doing anything that was warranting corrective action, had no one-on-ones, nothing. Gives me a review, I even earn a bonus um, and I get a raise. And then a week later, which was the week of my birthday, uh, <laughs> she put me on corrective action. It's supposed to be a 90 day corrective action. They gave me three weeks. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And after that, they elevated my corrective action, which should have been at least another 90 days on that. They elevated it. They said, go ahead, elevate it. And then I had one week. And by mid-March, I was, I was um, let go. Yeah. So how has, well, just in general in the workforce, I know it's been difficult. Is, is that in particular a difficult industry right now? Pharmacy? Um, it's not difficult like uh, it just depends um so I did infusion so it's it's a little bit different from um I say working at CVS um you know or um Walgreens place like that uh where it's retail pharmacy yeah um we worked with acute patients <clears throat> so in some regards the you know the uh requirements were a little bit um more challenging because you're you're dealing with 
um, pretty sick patients with chronic conditions um, that if they don't get this medication, it, it really has an impact on their um, physical well-being. Like they start getting symptomatic and having health issues and things like that. So it is important. Um, and it's a little bit different. Um, so in some regards, it can be, uh, I guess, a little more difficult than, um, you know, retail pharmacy. Those are more of um, what we call traditional medications. They're more common, um, whether you're like for blood pressure, those type of, you know, things. So, um, you know, it's, it's not as complicated um, as the infusion. Um, and you're working with um, home, <clears throat> sorry, home health uh, agencies where the nurses come in and infuse patients uh, in their home. And so you have to coordinate their schedule and um, you have to have their shipments go out, um, you know, on time. Um, otherwise, you know, if they don't get an infusion when they need it, then it, it impacts them. Um, so there's a little bit more to it. Um, but I, I was doing that specifically for four years. Yeah. No, no issues. Um, and then it just, it changed. And what I guess was the biggest frustration for me is, um, everything that really I struggle with it all in that moment just was put down on me. Um, I had to multitask more and I'm trying to take care of the pharmacist. And while I'm being um, the one put on corrective action and I don't have help from my um, other teammates because they're, my supervisor is having them do um, other projects. So I'm trying to pick up more work <clears throat> and they're, they're saying I'm not doing enough. And not only that, um, I'm in an, I was moved specifically to an area and this is one of my, uh, issues that I tried to address with them and they seem to not care at all was they moved me from an area where there wasn't as much traffic from people walking by and stuff, um, to exactly where everyone can walk by you. And so it was hard for, harder for me to focus, which is one of the things I struggle with is trying to keep focus. And so when you have all these conversations and people walking by, yeah. that added to my ability to try and focus and, you know, maintain, you know, good production that they want. Uh, and then my supervisor on one side of me and one of my co-workers on the other side and they're just you know when they're at their desk you know just laughing and giggling and just carrying on and and they're going on either side of me all day yeah. so um but yet I'm here trying to fight for my job and I yeah it was it was a hard it was a hard it was a hard blow and uh I I I was looking for um another position um but unfortunately I didn't get to one before they went ahead and let me go. And once I was on corrective action, I wasn't going to be eligible until I was off corrective action. So I was kind of stuck, but um, I kind of saw it coming. But they were, they were doing this to quite a few people and I was one of the ones that had the most seniority. And so while I had struggles, I was really good at what I did though. And um, it was just surprising that, you know, I come back and then all of this just kind of starts happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh gosh, I think because one of the things I, well, I say in general, but I feel like as anyone who experiences everything from TS probably has gone through, you already feel like you're swimming upstream and then you add on other exacerbating issues. So like tension in workplaces, I feel like is over the top everywhere. Everywhere is short staffed. Everywhere is everybody's overworked. Like that's happening at my job where we don't have everybody we really need. And so a lot more is expected on top of everything else. Um, Like one of the main things for me is when I'm at work, I'm the main phone call taker. So, so it can get really nerve wracking and majorly anxiety inducing to be trying mm-hmm. to under pressure, under lots of phone calls, make sure I'm hearing everybody correctly and, you know, not miss anything and make sure, like, make sure my hearing aids are in right. Make sure like, oh, did I, oops, did I forget them today? Oops, that's not going to be a fun day then. Stuff like that. It's just, it's already that kind of stress. And then you just compound it with how stressful work for everybody has been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenging time. Um, and I thought it was challenging before, uh, but it is definitely a challenging time um, with this added on. Um, and I see it because actually, so in some ways I, I, I don't miss, uh, like I, I like what I did, um, but in a way I don't miss that environment. And I actually, um, I still have my license and I still plan to keep my license up. Um, but now I work for the Department of Commerce uh, for the state of Kansas. And so I actually work out of one of our workforce centers. And I really like that because I feel like I get to utilize sort of the the best skills that I have and being able to interact with people, talk with people, um, help people who are coming in that are also struggling in their job search uh, and help them with their resumes, apply for jobs, And uh, I see, um, you know, employers, you know, who are trying to find people who are short staffed. And also it's just the the people are there um, and we have a fairly low unemployment rate, um, but still um, there's a lot of jobs and not a lot of people coming back yet um, looking for jobs. Yeah, and I feel like the way we work is changing. When people are finding a new job, they're looking for very different things than they were before. And in some situations, people are excited about that. And in other situations, you're like, this is, I feel like this is upheaving my whole life. Um, But I think more than ever, I think it's highlighted for me what you just said about focusing on for career, especially playing to your strengths, you know, Mm -hmm. what, for those that may be trying to figure out their career path, what, what do you flourish in? What, what are you passionate about? Yes. But also what are your strengths? 
What do you feel confident in? What are you good at? And focus on that instead of, you know, everybody can have those. Well, yeah, I have this part really badly and I just don't do well at all. Like for me, math, it's, it's giving yourself that confidence to be like, no, but I can't be confident in what I am good at. That doesn't have to negate what I am good at. Right. Right. And you'll have such a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that that makes a huge difference. And, um, you know, I, I think that it would be, I find it, especially just working at the workforce, being able to, I guess, connect with people and maybe resources that might help you find areas that might be, um, be interesting um, or that might match skills. And I think that might be something helpful for, I think, us in the TS community too, because I think that there's a struggle, I think, to find, and I don't know if it might partly be related to maybe self-confidence, but to find um, to find those jobs yeah. and to feel confident and, and good about it. And so I, I think that there's sort of a, a need and a lack of resources for people in the TS community to connect to, to then be able to, to find, well, what would I be good at? What do I want to do? Um, kind of career counseling almost. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Let's, let's take a little, <laughs> I always think of those tests where it's like, what are you what, what do you do in this situation or things like that, that kind of hone in on your traits that yes. you might want to do something with? <laughs> yes, yes. And it would be great to have a program. So we have, um, and a lot of states have this, it, it's um, maybe named differently, but it's federal grant. So most states should have something where, so we have something called WIOA. It would be great if, um, so the WIOA provides um, also financial opportunity for people to get education and training. Okay. And so if somebody's looking to move into a new career for whatever reason, if they just feel like they, they want to change or if um, they are finding like they have barriers to employment or they've struggled with finding a job that fits for them, um, they have an op- opportunity to, if they want to, you know, go back and go to schooling, if they have an idea of what they want to do, um, to be able to have um, grants and uh, to have that grant, the opportunity, because sometimes financially that just isn't feasible. Um, but certain qualifications, you can apply for this grant and get the funding to go into those programs. Um, CDL is a huge one. So we, we get a lot of people going in for CDL training so they can um, become truck drivers. Okay. Uh, nursing is another huge one. Um, so I just think something like that would be great. It's, it's those things I think um, to be able to take um, advantage of and take part in um, that can be helpful. Yes, yeah. In some ways, yeah. Yeah. And I was, that kind of just makes me think about like some of the typical careers that I see women with Turner's kind of flourish in. Yeah. And the interesting trend tends to be people. Yes. Yes. In some way. Yes. I've noticed, and I don't know about you, I've noticed 
like nursing is a huge one. Yes. Um, that I've noticed um, in our community. And then um, one of uh, my friends and girls locally, well, I think you know Amanda. Yes. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, she just got her um, education certificate. So she's a preschool teacher. Okay. And so she, you know, she's had different struggles as well, finding a job. And then she's gone into um, uh, like preschool teaching and she loves it. She loves getting to teach the kids and just the environment. And so she's really started to excel in that and moving on to getting her master's in education. And her work is giving her a track and a way to do that. Um, so she's really found something that she um, enjoys from what she previously did. And she's a former nurse um, and now she's moving into this um, and she really, really enjoys it. So, um, but yeah, it took her a little bit of a journey to um, discover that, but things like that, it, it's exciting, but I'm, I noticed that trend too. It's, it's kind of related to um, interacting with people in some, in some way. Yeah, because some version of working with people, whether it's, mm -hmm. I mean, I know several that are nurses, several that are teachers, Mm -hmm. Um, there also can be a trend of kids sometimes, which yep. I think it kind of all comes back to just wanting to help people. And I love that that's something that a lot of women with Turner's also flourish in. Yeah. I think a lot of women with, with, uh, Turner's just have this innate ability that like you want to help and yeah. be there. And yeah, that's something that I, I really, I really appreciate about our community. It's just, it, it has been, um, it, it, it's been a struggle, um, but I, I, I see like some of my friends that are nurses and I found like one of my friends, like she's a nurse, but she's found working in the schools um, where she really enjoys it um, as opposed to working in a medical setting, um, like an emergency room or something. Yeah. Uh, she recently moved into working in um in the school the last few years and she really likes that and she was trying to find her niche she knows that she really likes nursing but I think she enjoys working in the school setting and and helping the kids and being around the kids so yeah, yeah it's and oh man I mean of course that's just in general there are gonna be those that oh yeah that's not my strength but yeah. I think it's just a perfect example of that is such a big important focus to have on what yeah. your strengths actually are yeah um I just think that makes all the difference in the world yeah and I um that's what I was thinking that I just think it would be nice to have some um resources out there for our community so you know women that uh are wanting to know have some resources to be able to look into it and and have more access into um, helping discover uh, what, you know, what they might be interested in and what they, you know, would be good at. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. So one thing I learned is, because um, I did a lot of customer service um, and my struggle always comes when it's um, with timing and just um, being fast enough. Um, the thing I liked about customer service and 
um, you know, when I was doing um, a lot of phone, uh, phone customer service was getting to talk to people, getting to help people, getting to fix problems and issues. Um, but I have always struggled with being able to meet those time expectations. And uh, so that caused difficulties for me. And so I, I feel like this really is um, something that takes that ability and moves it into an area where I think um, I can maybe find something that I can really flourish in. And I've really enjoyed, um, you know, and I can appreciate because I can understand the struggle and I like being able to help people who have really had some hard times, even harder than people that I, I that I know or even myself that are just trying to pick their selves back up um, and find a job themselves. Um, I can understand those um, or empathize with those, um, you know, barriers and struggles to finding a job and help them because um, I have resources that I can provide them. Um, and a direction to guide them. And so to see uh, to see them meet their goals, it, it really makes, um, it makes me happy. So I think that is a good, it is a good fit. And so it, I just think it takes, um, takes those skills and puts it into an area where I can be most effective. Yeah, and I think, mm -hmm. I think there, there's no wrong answer as far as, mm -hmm. If you think it might work, give it a shot. It's worth trying. Yeah. Even if it wasn't your first initial like dream job or what you pictured. I yeah. personally have been very surprised with where I started. Well, <laughs> once I got to it, I wasn't that surprised. But before I would have never guessed Yeah. Um, what I gravitate towards more to than where I initially started. So because I initially started thinking I was going to be like Emily Prentice on Criminal Minds and be an FBI profiler, try doing that job with a family. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like, mm. I looked at Andrew, like, want to go to Virginia? And he's like, no, that's not going to no. And I'm like, oh, okay. No. Well, my, <laughs> my degree is in psychology. And I thought I wanted to initially do something like forensic science. Um, and then I wound up, I wanted to do more like clinical psychology. And then I, I worked on some mental health wards and I just, I was like, nope, nope, that's not gonna work. <laughs> um, one of those things came up was because I'm four foot seven, um, I have to be able to do restraints. So I, uh, you know, when you're talking about someone that's like, you know, uh, younger, it's not as much of a height barrier, but when you're having to do this restraints and test on, you know, adults that are taller than you, it's a challenge. And sometimes even, um, you know, if you're talking about a patient that might be my size, even slightly smaller, doesn't mean that they can't maybe find a way to overpower me. Um, but, uh, that was an issue. And so at at that point, I just started to, um, you know, kind of look at maybe do I want to go a different direction? Um, and I decided um, to look at some jobs and I, I decided, oh, well, I'm going to try 
um, pharmacy because I knew it was, it was hiring and I'm like, it's a, you know, in-demand field. And I felt like there's some stability there. And I, and, and I was like, I'm not sure how that's going to work because numbers is not my strong suit. Surprisingly enough, um, I did good for a long time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. It's, I've been consistently surprised <laughs> and always in good ways. Like it always, like mm-hmm. the change is always something that I'm like, oh yeah, that is a, that, that is a good change. That is a better fit. Um, like very initially I watched and say, yes. And I'm like, oh, I want to be Abby. Oh yes. I want to be Abby. I want to do that. I love that. I loved her. So I was like, yes to all of that. And I'm like, wait, I'd go absolutely insane if I was stuck in a lab by myself for 12 hours a day or more. Oh yeah. I'd go crazy. That would not work. I would not do well. And then I saw Criminal Minds. Funny, everything's connected to TV shows. I saw Criminal Minds and I'm like, oh no, that's what I want to do. Because I love psychology. I love Mm. just I'm a huge people watcher Mm -hmm. like I do love reality certain reality tv shows but for the people watching aspect of it like where I'm for better or for worse basically psychoanalyzing them as I'm watching like just that's the interesting part to me Mm -hmm. and I had to use that but hone it into where my strengths would actually be so it started out okay maybe well not FBI profiler because I can't do that but also therapy initially I saw as well I had always pictured myself being the therapist with adults just doing like the traditional normal what you think of as therapy and then when I went to get my master's degree so I got my bachelor's in focusing in counseling and then when I went to get my master's degree, looking at a bunch of different programs, and there's this thing called applied behavioral analysis that the program was, until I went through it, I hadn't even realized it, but it was very focused on working with kids with autism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hadn't even pictured that idea. But I love kids. I love working with kids. Of course that would fit for me. So it's, yeah, it's always been really good surprises for me when I've been open to things changing. Yeah, I, I think that in my current job, because I, I thought I wanted to, to maybe go the clinical route and um, I get to use it now, I think in uh, getting to, to really, because sometimes people come in and uh, you kind of have to scratch the surface a little bit of um, what the what the struggle is, what the issue is, and sometimes um, they're they're reluctant, like because uh, they really don't want to have to get help, but they need help, yeah. and so sometimes you have to be able to um, kind of do a little bit of of digging and understanding a little bit to get the story, and to then be able to, to help, um, which is something I've been able to take those skills and, and move it into. I think it's a, be- it's a better fit than 
in the clinical route at this point because the more I thought about it, I was like, mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah, but I, yes, I think there's lots of ways to use every kind of different degree too. Mm -hmm. So when when you're looking at that, I mean, for mine being an applied behavioral analysis, I may never. Be <laughs> It's a whole other story, but finding the supervisor to do supervised hours for me to be able to take the test to become board certified has been insane, like mm. way more difficult than I ever anticipated. So, well, I don't know for sure at this point if I will actually end up becoming a board certified behavioral analyst. I know I'll use it because in our foster care classes to get ready to foster there was literally a question that said, what is this concept in applied behavioral analysis? Oh. And Andrew looked at me and goes, well, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> Since you studied this. And I'm like, oh, wow. Again, another way of using it, I would have never thought of. Yeah, it's, so. it is uh, interesting how it comes, comes up in, in different ways to use it. Yeah. But. So what were your other experiences you mentioned? Because you mentioned there were three. Yeah, so uh, I worked for um, the farmer's call, uh, call center for a little bit, um, a few years. Well, it was a while back. So in 2008, I took um, what I thought was gonna be a better opportunity and because of the market at that time. And so I wound up switching jobs and I took this job um, that I was supposed to be an underwriter. Well, that didn't happen. And they wound up putting me in customer service for a while. And I struggled with um, talk times. Uh, I was still learning like where to find certain uh, pieces of information. Uh, I did a lot of talking with agents rather than uh, rather than customers, but we were customers, like I was on the side, it was uh, customer service for agents. And so I was there maybe eight, eight months, I think, um, getting close to a year. And uh, they started um, trying to coach me about it. And I was trying to explain to them, which is where I struggled was, how much do I tell? What can I tell? What kind of accommodations? Because I struggled to find accommodations that would help or employers that would understand. Um, and so in those coachings, try and explain. And uh, they just really didn't work with me a whole lot. Um, and I was also frustrated because I was hired on for one job and wound up being put into another. And um, so it was not the pay that I was expecting and, and all of that. And so um, part of it was at that time, I did not have the best attitude, we'll admit that. Um, but I was trying to do what I could and, and learn. And um, then one day they came and uh, my supervisor asked me to go with her. Um, I was supposed to have a one-on-one. -on -one. Well, they took me to the HR room. Um, they said that they're letting me go. Um, they made me wait there. My supervisor went to my desk to get all my stuff. 
and they, instead of bringing it into the office, um, they told me to go ahead and um, go on the, I had to go out the building because they took my card and everything uh, to go get my car. So I had to walk around the other side of the building and come back. And then my stuff was on the side of the road or on the sidewalk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was, um, that was an experience. That was a little humiliating to say. Yeah, that would be, that would be not a fun way for that to happen at all. That would be frustrating. Yeah. So I, um, actually filed EEOC charges against him and I was, I did win that one. Um, one of the other experiences I had, I kind of talked about was when, um, so after that, the job that I took before I went to onto pharmacy was, um, I went back, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and try this. Cause it was, it was something that, um, was available and I was trying to, to get a job, um, and get off unemployment. So, um, there was a job opening at a mental health, um, hospital and they were going to put me on the teen unit and I physically, uh, struggled in doing the restraints, um, because of the height difference of, um, my coworkers and myself that I had to practice the restraints on. And so they gave me three attempts to do the restraint and they, um, I was not able to do it, um, to their satisfaction. And I was trying to figure a way to adjust and accommodate for the height difference, but I'm four foot seven and and they're at least a good foot to almost foot and a half taller than me. And so after the third time they said, um, well, prior to that, the right before the last time she called and said, okay, you got one more attempt. Um, if you don't pass, we're going to have to let you go. So when I knew I didn't pass that third one, I, I knew that most likely they were going to go ahead and let me go. And so the, um, instructor said, go home, we'll contact you. And I was waiting for them to tell me what's going to happen. Well, after three days is when they finally called me to tell me that they were letting me go. So, um, when I went to file unemployment, they denied my unemployment. So they, um, told unemployment when I filed that, uh, I was, I had no call, no showed three days in a row. So unemployment denied my claim. And as much as I tried to explain this, uh, the situation and what actually happened, um, and that the reason why I did not come in is because they told me not to come in, that they would contact me. So I was unclear as to what they actually wanted me to do. And so, um, I went through every appeal that I could. Um, I even had, um, an interview on the phone with me, um, somebody from the unemployment office, as well as the HR person. She denied, uh, she didn't deny any of it actually, um, about what I was having said, but she insists that I was on the schedule and supposed to come in. And I did not. And unemployment decided to go ahead and accept their end of it and deny my unemployment. So I had no money to live off. <laughs> yeah. That's- so I wound up having to, to work for Papa John's at the, at the time. Go and, and so I had some kind of income coming in Yeah. while I was looking for another job. But yeah, it, I, it, it was, um, especially after the other job loss, that was just like really, um, 
question, I was like, why is it so difficult to get a job and be able to keep a job? And I feel like, what am I doing wrong? And it just, and that was just so, um, I guess I felt so defeated at that moment. And I was like, so frustrated. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, it, it was, was super discouraging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very discouraging. So I, I had to do, uh, like, well, I need to do something completely different. So started looking at the other options. And then I decided, um, I saw um, United Health Group hiring and worked with them. I, I got on with them um, and then was with them for a long time. And I, I really thought, surprisingly, this might be a good fit and it's a stable job. Um, and then, yeah, that threw me for a loop when they let me go. That's, mm-hmm. oh gosh, the situations of, I mean, this would apply to in school also, but it's particularly in a career situation, struggling with your employers not understanding what you're trying to communicate to them as far as your um like what you need, what's going on with you, and them not really being responsive to accommodations in any way or working with you on it that's just that's so discouraging on in so many different ways and yeah that just especially when it's something you know it's it's a job it's not like it's something you're trying to do for fun it's something you're you're trying to do something to make a living and right yeah 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 and it's a challenge when you add on to it that you have a genetic condition it's like yeah insurance costs of, you know, I need to be able to take care of myself. <laughs> and when I'm like, and, and whether you're, you know, single or not, it's not easy, but I'm like, I'm my only source of income. And if I don't have insurance, I don't have money. I'm like, how am I supposed to take a, care of myself? Yeah. And, you know, especially now that I know that I have a genetic heart defect, that I have diabetes, I'm like, I really got to take care of myself. And so, yeah, I'm like, I just want to be able to, (laughs) I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, be able to pay my bills, support myself. And, but yeah, it's really, and and I see this a a lot um, in in our community. And I just trying to, you know, find the the right fit and also employers that understand, you know, because in certain, like doing the restraints, obviously physically there was an impact because of my height difference. But when you're talking customer service, you know, I don't have a physical issue because that, you know, me being at a desk on a computer, on a phone, Height's not going to play into that, but there's also struggles that you can't see and that's harder to explain and harder to get, I think, employers and people to understand the impact of it when you can't actually see the issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the, those types of struggles that aren't a physical, like they can watch you or physically see what's making it difficult. You have to have a kind of relationship or, or have that person end up being somebody that would be more understanding, more willing to do the work to try to understand, to have that go well. And I just think, especially right now, that's even more difficult because it seems like everybody's expectations are higher. Everybody's like, 
on edge and like it, it just seems so much more difficult for things like that yeah yeah so, but yeah i see posts, another layer yeah yeah i see posts all the time about women asking for advice on like this is the situation i'm having at work how do i even approach this topic with my boss without like guaranteeing i'm losing my job without even a conversation yeah it's hard yeah. and particularly i think with the unique things that turner's throws at you and when you're in a situation where you are so dependent on some of the things like the medical benefits where you have insurance. I know I wouldn't qualify for insurance on my own, not getting it that way. You know, yeah. it's that's difficult because you're like, no, nah, but I can't not have that. <laughs> like income is one thing. That's a whole other. Uh huh. Oh yeah. That yep. it's connected all to those struggles. If you have struggles at work, you're thinking about those things too. Yeah. 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 And it's, it seems like employers, I just, I have, I wish they would have a little more understanding. Um, it used to be like way past my, you know, before my time, but employers actually valued their employees and really wanted to have a good work-life balance and, you know, were open to working with people with a variety of um, maybe physical challenges or other disabilities. And it just seems to be a, a, not the patients, not the understanding, not the time, not the training, um, not the accommodations. Um, yeah, it's and I see it from people too that come in to the workforce center um, that have similar struggles, maybe for different reasons, but similar struggles. And so, um, but I, I see that a lot in our community like I'm having issues with my employer or I'm having this happen what do I do yeah um, I don't think three days passes without me seeing something like that posted yeah. and I think there has been not only in COVID era but also just in general our, our culture has become so fast paced in the like I need maximum possible output with minimal to no input what the least amount I can get away with and a prioritization of the productivity and all that that entails over anything else. And so then they look at those, those situations where somebody may be saying, I'm needing a little support in this area, or I'm, you know, I need you to help me adjust things to work better. And they're like, I don't want to take the time to because that's like, that's taking my time now. And it's, yeah. It's just such a different approach to it. You're just so focused on everything else that, yeah, work-life yeah. balance and and importance of employee yeah. status and well-being yeah. is looked at very differently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, this is just opinion, financial issues because of COVID played a, a part Um and I think there was a lot of people that they were looking at letting go. Um, and I was someone that did have, you know, seniority there. I've been there longer than my supervisor or um, anyone on my team. You could probably pay two technicians for what you're paying me. And so I see that they, instead of valuing and investing in employees and trying to provide you know, accommodations or, or working with employees that are good employees, like I can go ahead and, and let you go 
because we can find somebody else and probably not even have to pay as much. And so I just felt like, especially with my last employer, you know, it was more about um, production and how many refills, all that kind of stuff I was doing as opposed to the quality. And there has to be a balance and we're dealing with people. And I'm like, I don't want to make a mistake in their medication. So for me, quality has a higher priority, but it, it's a lot more production driven, but they didn't even have metrics in place. And so, you know, I'm like, how, how could you hold me accountable to a metric that you didn't really even have in place that you weren't holding anybody else accountable to, but that was still, that was still their thing. Yeah. That's it's, oh man. And some things that shifted, I think I personally kind of find interesting and I'm okay with like there, there's such a massive shift in, they call it the great resignation um, where everybody's starting to try to work for themselves instead. And I, I, the interesting part is it kind of all plays into each other because it's a reaction to everything we've just talked about. Yep. Where, well, I think a, a lot of people are realizing. Yeah. Everybody's saying, well, I'm not going to go back and deal with that then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, I understand that from, from my perspective, I can't say I completely blame them. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's caused a lot of, a lot of people to, to rethink and, and just, probably be feeling the same thing yeah so yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how that plays out more particularly in the turner's community some of the frustrations i've seen it would be interesting to see if that shifted to where there was more about well i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do my own thing then where i can i can deal with things for myself how I need to and I don't have to worry about trying to get you to understand yeah and (laughs) yeah and be throwing rules at me that just aren't working yeah and honestly I'd be kind of excited for that I think you know there is a um I think independent and maybe a bit of a entrepreneurial and artistic and creative spirit among the TS community and so there's a lot of potential there And I would be excited to see that. Yeah, I think that would Mm -hmm. be great. I'm all for it. I think because it didn't, it didn't used to be where talking like I was around then it didn't, it it was not always a, you're working for massive corporations or a franchise, no matter where you work. It was a lot more small businesses, like where a couple, a family owned it or something like that, just much more smaller scale. And I think, I think to some extent, when you don't have all of that bureaucracy happening, all yeah. of the politics that come into a massive corporation. Yeah. It, you see very different results. Yeah. And I, I, it'll be interesting just to see, but you know, when, when you're at home and not able to work kind of gives you time to think. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and a lot of people are like, well, why can't I, you know, do this for myself? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think, I Be think much. it showed a lot of people that, oh wait, 
that's not my only option. I, I think there's a lot of it that just kind of gave everybody the opportunity to evaluate. Yeah. So yeah, who who says that I have to work for a big corporation when I can? Yeah. Like I don't have to, you know, deal with those challenges or those struggles or, you know, a boss that doesn't want to, you know, work with me or not able to accommodate. I can just do something for myself. Yeah. It's, and I mean, not to say that that's not its own amount of work and can be very intimidating to think about, but yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done. I mean, it's not an easy thing, but yeah, but it's, there's, there's definitely, and I think that kind of goes into your strengths also, if that's something you feel comfortable with or not. Um, These are all questions I would put on a, what career should you have quiz? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's very interesting to see. So I'll be, I'll be curious. Yeah. And I think it's all going to play into how these things that us with Turners go through play into what our career choices look like, what we lean towards. Like, I think, I think that's all going to be, yeah, I could, I could see it impacting that good things to consider and think about at least. Right. Right. (laughs) Things that, that we can, we can do, you know, yeah, we, we can make make some things happen. Yeah. Ways of making things work. Should we call, should we call that our first episode? Yes. Yeah. We did it. Woo-hoo. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> this was so great. I am yes. so, so glad that you are joining me for the podcast now. And um, I'm very excited for future episodes. We already have a topic ideas list going that is just Fun. Yes. So oh, it'll it'll be fun to get those going and to add to it and yeah, yeah. see what we can do. So yeah, if anybody has any topic ideas that's listening, let us know and we can add it yes. to our list. Yes. We are open to hear suggestions. Yes. But I am I am very excited and um honored that you got uh that you uh asked me to join. And so it'll be fun. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yay. So thank you for saying yes and joining. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to look at our list and pick another one for next week and see what's up next. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Stay tuned. Yes. And we will talk to you guys next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.